this has been a conference traditionally that has not been intimidating and where practitioners have really felt like this was a place they could come and say, this is what I do and it has worked for me and I want to share it with you. And that to me is one of the things that I'm the most proud of is that it has been a really nice mix of recognized national and international experts and also our teachers and our practitioners who are with their students every single day and making a difference. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman. We're back with part two of Dr. Kay Holbrook and Janie Blome discussing the Getting in Touch with Literacy Conference. Although I loved hearing about the event, I also really appreciated some soapbox moments at the end. The best part about talking to people in our field is the passion shared for improving instruction for students. Every tangent may be the next breakthrough, which is one reason I love this gig. Now, I know you said the the call for papers has already wrapped up. Um, Can you share any of the topics we might see or are either of you hoping to present at all? I'm not sure I can share any of the topics, Janie. I know um, there's quite a balance Mm -hmm. of of topics this year. Uh, The thing that I'm excited about right now, and this kind of relates to other conferences as well, it feels like the literacy conference is a place where things are announced or things are big projects are discussed for the first time. And um, I'm excited because I'm going to be helping to present uh, information on a major project that's funded by the U.S. government um, that looks at errors that that are being made by students in the Braille Challenge contests. That, um, that we have, and we have data from, well, right now we're working on 2018. So we have thousands of examples of student writing and student errors that we can then analyze. And I'm working with two, two people, not in the, the education, in the education field. I'm working with Robert Engelbretson, who is uh, a linguist and is a, um, a professor of linguistics, and then Robert uh, Simon Fisherbaum, who is a cognitive scientist. And so the three of us working together to look at these issues is, I think, very exciting. And we're going to, this is the, this will be the first conference that we will present some of those results. I think one of the things that kind of stood out to me when we were looking at the proposals and one of the things that I've been pretty um, excited about is there does seem to be really an emphasis on diversity and inclusion um, culturally, not just within the disability realm, but culturally as well. And I was kind of, I think that's a little, you know, indicative of the times that we live in. And I was happy to see that people were bringing some information to address those things for students who are blind, but maybe also 
um, with some cultural diversity in their lives as well. So I think those will be really, really good for folks. And, you know, one of the things that has always been something wonderful about this conference to me is it's a conference where, you know, we have those presentations by recognized experts that we need to have. And we have the presentations that Kate will do and, you know, other um, literacy experts in our field, but it's also a chance for our unrecognized experts to present. And so that teacher who's doing it, you know, working with her students and making miracles happen every day or his students and making miracles happen every day. This has been a conference traditionally that has not been intimidating and we're practitioners have really felt like this was a place they could come and say, this is what I do and it has worked for me and I want to share it with you. And that to me is one of the things that I'm the most proud of is that it has been a really nice mix of, um, you know, recognized national and international experts and also our teachers and our practitioners who are with their students every single day and making a difference. Yeah, there's a there's an article that I've sent to my students uh, called Where is the Wisdom We've Lost in Knowledge? And uh, what I feel like we do at the Literacy Conference is to combine that wisdom mm-hmm. and that knowledge and from, from such a variety of perspectives. Um, we do have some proposals related to COVID and what we've learned um, from a literacy perspective related to COVID. Uh, to what we've learned from from our experience in the last year and a half. And so it's current, um, timely, um, but also deep. And um, some of the teachers who present have had many, many years of experience and we are learning from their wisdom. And uh, and we have a, a really strong poster session Mm-hmm. this this time. Uh, sometimes we don't have so many presenters who choose posters, but this time we had quite a few people who said, that's what I want to do. Um, and so I think that'll be fun and interesting. Now you've both shared a lot of things that you love about this conference, which explains why you work so hard on it. But is there anything else you want to add about why you think this is such a great event? I guess I would say, I, 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 I kind of mentioned this a little bit, but I guess I would say that I feel like it's a springboard for us mm-hmm. and that so many of the things that happen at this conference help us to move forward. Mm-hmm. Everything from, we have a few awards that are given to recognize people that um, are doing important work Um, And then we also have, we try really hard to set the schedule up so that there's lots of space for people to connect with with others that they're meeting at the conference. We try and make it very easy. We, We have, sorry, very easy for people to meet each other. In the past two or three conferences, we've had this showcase session that is called, that we call speed networking where we set up tables like like you're speed dating, but you're just kind of meeting someone every five minutes. I don't know, five minutes is it? And then they switch to the next person. And so it's it's really just a speed dating format, but it's called speed networking. And I've heard people say, I would never would have met this person if I if we hadn't done that. And now we're gonna exchange some information that we found in common. So I would say those are 
important things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, the the connections that people make and, and we've seen some things come out of connections that were made at this conference that have had really big impacts on big projects and then things that have been really, um, you know, a teacher to teacher kind of thing where teachers are sharing ideas with each other after the conference and staying in touch and, and watching those relationships and those friendships form has been really special and a lot of fun. And I think, um, it, to me, it goes back to kind of what we said about this is a conference for everybody. We, you know, we've worked really hard to keep it affordable for folks so that but people do come on their own and pay for it themselves. And, you know, we've worked really hard to make it be something that is accessible to everybody and something that is um, there's there's we don't. Oh, Usually, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say, well, I looked at those sessions and there's really nothing there that interests me this time. And so it has been something that because this is a topic that is key to everything that we do, um, you know, I mean, literacy is the key to everything that we do in life. And I think because of it being that kind of a concept of something that is so important, it is something that touches everybody in some way and has just been really um an amazing opportunity to see, you know, egos checked at the door and people talking and sharing and learning from each other and um, having those chances to, to become better at what they do, which is what we all want to do. Janie, I love that you said egos checked at the door because that that's really important. And it's, it's interesting when, when we first started out, um, we had some people who really were, uh, very convinced that they deserved the best spot on the, they had the most important uh, information to uh, to present and they deserved the best spot on the program. And they, um, and they were clear with us. And we were also very clear that that's not the way this conference works. And we do have showcase presentations, but, as much to showcase, we, we call our general session showcase presentations. And as much as anything else, those are threads that move through the conference so that we all come together, think about something collectively, and then uh, go and look at individual interests. And um, but the collective, we believe, is also important. Uh, and most of the time, the keynote, which is also a general session, and the showcase sessions are referred to multiple times in the rest of the conference. Um, so people are really thinking about it in the moment. Even though they have prepared their presentations, um, they're thinking about what's being presented in the moment. They'll say, I was in the that great keynote with Francis Mary DeAndrea. And I, I thought, well, this is how this applies to what she was saying. And so it's, these are, there are lots of threads going through it. That's huge. And also speaks to how timely the information is that's shared. You know, if you can sit in a session and pull what you learn and then immediately apply it to, to your current setting, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Well, speaking of topics, which literacy topics do you think are going to be relevant for our students in the years to come? Are there any that you think are extremely important? 
Well, I'll, I'll just say that one of the challenges that we have is that literacy, the word literacy mm-hmm. is now used very broadly. Mm-hmm. And so we have had a real challenge in keeping uh, the conference hyper attentive to reading and writing, gathering information through braille, print, and a combination of braille and print, uh, in addition to other ways. Um, So I think we are going to need to continue to, to have both the breadth and the depth of, of understanding on literacy. Um, And I guess some of the presentations that we have gotten in the far past have been more appropriate for a conference like CEC or AER um, because of the literacy application to literacy to the expanded core curriculum, but not reading and writing to that, you know, that you could have uh, like sports literacy. Right. Uh, and that would be about learning the rules of different games. But that's not what we're talking about with the literacy conference. So th- I think that's a challenge for us. And so having said that, I believe that our attention to the broad literacy spectrum, meaning we have to pay attention to print, to Braille, to auditory gathering of information um, and to combinations of print and braille, I think are going to continue. We also try to span the age ranges. Mm -hmm. So we really try to look at preschool through adult and elderly uh, literacy issues. So um, I think those are all going to continue uh, and anything that we can learn from research is going to help us. I think I, I would agree with that, Cam. And I think at the heart of this is that, you know, ability to read and write and access information. And I think it, within the scope of learning to read and access information, one of the things that we're obviously going to have to continue to look at is digital literacy. And I think the last year with so much non-traditional instruction and people, um, you know, teaching students through the computer and those kinds of things have really brought an emphasis to that. And some of the presentations that Kay mentioned on that kind of focus around COVID are about some of those kinds of things and, you know, ways that teachers found to address the challenges of that, particularly with a student who is blind or visually impaired. But I think, you know, and technology and all of those things. And, but at the heart of that, the core of it has to be that learning and ability to be able to access information, to have some agency in your world and, and, you know, reading and writing are key to that. And so I think, you know, maybe how we define reading and writing might be getting a little bit broader, but just really keeping that in mind as we look at all of these other options. And like Kay said, you know, literacy has kind of become, there's environmental literacy and financial literacy, sports literacy, you know, all of those kinds of things that, yes, you need to be literate in those things if they're going to be important to your life. But being literate, it means being able to access and to have that information and to understand that information and to be able to share that information with somebody else. And I think those are the things that it's going to take a little bit of a balance as we move into maybe more of a technological and more of a digital platform to be able to make sure that that piece of it doesn't get lost in the process. Yeah, I I will also say that um, 
I still think we have not come to a very good understanding of the issues related to dual dual media. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be a topic that's going to continue. And in fact, I just did a workshop in Australia. I was not in Australia, but they they were <laughs> um, with a man named Fabian Winter. And he actually has a proposal in to come to the literacy conference. And his dissertation is on dual media. So I feel like there's a brand, kind of brand new group of people who are taking on some some complex questions and issues. So I don't think that we've come to to a real good understanding of of what we deal with related to dual media. I also think that we still have challenges related to whether or not listening to text is reading. It can be defined as reading or can be defined as literacy. Um, I think that um, those issues have been discussed, but I don't think that we've really come to a good term. And then the last thing that we've got to figure out is we have got to figure out how to convince the powers that be that having a teacher, an actual teacher who knows how to teach reading and writing and knows Braille and the issues surrounding print for individuals with um, visual impairment um, are critical to to solve. Those issues are critical to solve in order for children to develop into the type of literacy that they need for employment, for enjoyment, for um, participation in adult life. And until we get caseloads to a point where children can actually get the literacy instruction they have a right to receive, we can spin our wheels on a lot of questions that the answers really won't matter if we don't have teachers who are actually allowed to do the work that they're trained to do. The other piece just to tack onto that also is thinking about what does literacy look like for a student for whom traditional academic reading and writing is not going to be their main means of communication and accessing information. And, and that uh, goes along hand in hand with that, Kay, that we've got to figure that piece of it out too. You know, I agree, of course, with both of you, because I would never pretend to know more <laughs> anyways. <laughs> but. But, uh, you know, I, I've, I've talked a lot about how um, we really need more research around the services that students are actually getting. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to collect that data. But um, we talk about teacher shortages and then we fill vacancies and kids are still getting shorted because vacancies aren't being admitted or acknowledged. And so I I think, I don't know what the answer is either, but I know we need better data about what actually kids are getting and then using that information to build caseloads instead of the other way around. This is how many teachers we have. So that's what you get. So Emily, I, we need to talk. We need to, (laughs) we need to have a real talk uh, because I have some ideas about this, but I, I, almost can't listen when when the conversation starts about a teacher shortage. We have uh, universities right now who can prepare teachers in 
every format you can think of. So it's not about a teacher shortage. It's about commitment to the type of service that students need, regardless of their ability level. Uh, and so if you have a, if you have a, a school district where they really need 10 teachers with the visually impaired, but they hire two, that's not a teacher shortage. We know they need 10 in order to get the work done. It's not a teacher shortage. We can train teachers inside that community. Um, it's a will, it's, it's a willingness. And yeah, I have some ideas, but I need to retire before I can do them because then <laughs> people are gonna be mad at me. <laughs> I had a, a, I don't know, a few years ago, I think I was at annual meeting and I, I got all over this and said, quit saying teacher shortage, mm -hmm. say service shortage. Thank you. Right. It, it didn't catch on. So you can help me. I will definitely help you with that. All right. So to wrap up here, let's make sure people know where to find information about your conference. And is there anything else you need support wise from our uh, listeners or the community or anybody? So the website is gettingintouchwithliteracy.org. And there's information up there about the conference. Um, we do have a pretty extensive um, email list. So people will be getting emails with information about registration as well. We would love to have um get ready to send out vendor information would love to have you know folks who want to come and and be part of our exhibits um you can get in touch with any of us or you can send an email to so getting in touch with literacy at gmail.com is that right Kay? i believe that's right i think that's it but the better thing is to just email me or you yeah email so. One of us, so and the dates are december 1st through the 4th and um, we would love for people to come. Early bird registration will be um, in effect for oh, a month or so, I think, uh, maybe a couple of months. And um, we hope that people will go ahead and get registered. And if um, anybody needs information, they can get in touch with either one of us or also um, Kay Ratzliff at the Florida Instructional Materials Center is kind of heading up the local arrangements committees and she can help too. I will add just a little plug <laughs> um, this is an expensive conference to put on, even though we try to keep costs down. And so any donations, any sponsorship, any, any fundraising ideas um, that somebody has, uh, we would really appreciate. We, we do have expenses that are, and the, and the more money we have to spend, the better the conference is uh, because all of the money that comes into this conference stays in this conference. Uh, that's one of the unique features of this conference is that it is not tied to an organization. Mm -hmm. And so that that's really good in a lot of ways, but the downside is that the financial piece is um, not tied to an organization either. So send those uh, donations and sponsorships and we would really appreciate it. 
And if we do wind up with more money than um, it cost us to put the conference on this year, you know, Kay and I are not going on vacation somewhere. We are working on ways to put that money back into the field and back into um, some opportunities for teachers and other folks. So it's even if we, you know, do wind up um, having more income than expenses this year, and this is the finale, that will still go back to the field and back to some literacy projects and things like that. What a wonderful problem that would be to have. (laughs) Wouldn't it be? It would be. Do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem? They may qualify for free services. Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. You can find the conference website within the episode description, along with Janie and Kay's email info. I hope we can all make it to Orlando in December. They wanted to make sure I remind you to get vaccinated and stay safe so we can enjoy each other's company again. They also invited me to pull up a stool and share more reminiscing in person, and I plan to take them up on that offer. Now, after two and a half years and 63 episodes, it's about time for our first hiatus. We will be back on September 1st. In the meantime, enjoy your summer. From TSBVI Outreach and A Sense of Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time. This has been a presentation of the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired Outreach Department. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics to cover in future episodes, please contact us at podcast at tsbvi.edu.